Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. A behind-the-scenes consulting machine, John Trigonis, has mentored hundreds of filmmakers and other content creators worldwide to create compelling crowdfunding experiences that not only reach, but often exceed their goals. An indie filmmaker and successful crowdfunder himself, John has literally written the book on crowdfunding for filmmakers and is currently rewriting it as a second edition. And after spending a few years as a private consultant, he puts his prowess to its ultimate use as Indiegogo's head film campaign strategist. And Carol, I understand that From the Heart has been a partner with Indiegogo for over three years now. Is that right? Thank you so much, John, for joining us and taking the time to be on the show today. Definitely. Very welcome. Thanks for having okay. me. Oh, this is going to be fun. We know you are the guru for information. I love all the wonderful things you've done. Your book is superb. And I'm very excited to know more about the second edition. So we'll cover that. But um, one of my favorite parts of working with Indiegogo is when a filmmaker sends me a trailer, and I know it needs work, and I can tell them that, but to get into the specifics, I'll send the trailer to you, and you and Indiegogo give us the uh, detailed feedback that allows the filmmaker to change it and make it great. And I don't think a lot of people recognize how how much help you give to filmmakers. So tell us. Yeah, um, I mean, that's definitely one of the things, uh, you know, one of the reasons Indiegogo uh, hired me about three years ago now. Um, I've been here, yes, about three. It's my third year starting, or fourth year actually starting. Um, And, you know, they brought me on because um, a lot of, of a lot of the advice that I was giving away very freely on Twitter, uh, you know, on Facebook, uh, all across different social media channels after I ran my own campaign. And at, at the heart, my my whole philosophy is, like, you know, I want to give as much hands-on attention as I possibly can because that's something that no other platform so far really does. Um, they just, you know, they, they worry about, I guess, scaling something like that, whereas I'm just like, you know, bring me your tattered campaigns and, you know, it's like a little thing on the Statue of Liberty, you know, and I want to see them all and I want to make them all better. And if I have that knowledge, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a former professor, so that comes ingrained in me where if I have the knowledge, I have to give it to you so that you can make it better. And then at the end of that time, it's up to you to make it better but I've kind of done done my part, and uh, I'm glad Indiegogo kind of recognized the need for something for something that hands-on, and they brought me on board uh, after seeing all the all the advice I was giving. Um, so now I do it exclusively for uh, Indiegogo, which is the platform that I've always used um, for any kind of crowdfunding in the past. 
Oh, well, they're they're very lucky to have you. I know how much I enjoy working with you. So um, let's get started with your article. I, I love this, How to Let Your Crowd In. That's one of my favorites. So tell us the, the three tips you give in that article. Cool. So, I mean, I'll... I'll I'll dive real quick into like the background of why I I did the, I wrote that article. Um, you, so a, a while back I wrote uh, after I ran my campaign for a, a short film of mine called Cerise, I came up with this blog post because that's kind of what you did. You ran a campaign and you had to give that knowledge back out of what worked, what didn't. And I learned, you know, there, there was there was not a lot of crowdfunding advice and information available uh, back then. This is, 2010. So I, you know, this article that I wrote really explored what I used to call the three P's of crowdfunding, which is the pitch in terms of the video, the perks, and the promotion. And that sounds all businessy and all that stuff. And at the time, I was totally not businessy in any way, um, full-time artist kind of thing. Um, but I then created the fourth P of personalization. Because that's the only way the three of those three P's would actually work on the everyday person. So, you know, that worked for about three years. Um, that, that article that I wrote on my blog, uh, the three P's article, got like tons of, you know, press around it. Uh, IndieWire picked it up and they were like sharing it constantly. So it was, it was really a great piece. But as crowdfunding evolves, um, I realized that these three P's needed to evolve, and we had to do a whole different letter because it just wasn't working anymore. It made it sound too businessy. And at the end of the day, if you're crowdfunding for the money, as my good friend and former colleague Adam Chapnick says, you're doing it wrong. So I created uh, – <laughs> yeah, I know I, I usually say that at a, at a seminar. I always give them credit, but I say it, and then people just kind of like look up from their writing, their little notes, and they're like, wait, shit, am I in the wrong – Am I in the wrong spot? I shouldn't be here. I thought this was about the money. Um, so they leave, and then all the real people who want to really crowdfund for the right reasons, philosophically speaking, uh, stick around and they learn. They learn from from uh, from one of the, you know, the, the better examples I can give, which are these now three ins or the three ways in to a, a to get a crowd into crowdfunding, which is those three ins are the in- invitation, the incentives and the interactions. So if you look at it really closely, they're the same thing, except now I don't have to keep telling people to get personal because the three ins actually have personality infused. Because if you look at the pitch, the pitch is the business pitch. That's not what crowdfunding is about. We're pitching, quote, pitching to everyday people. They want to be invited into your campaign as if they're going to learn something about it, as if they're going to feel like they're a part of it. Because the minute they give five or $5,000, they are a part of it, whether you want them to be or not. And really, you should want them to be. Because otherwise, you shouldn't be crowdfunding because you're doing it wrong. Um, so that's the invitation. It's a lot more personal. It's like me saying, I want you in, in my film. I want you as a part of this. The incentives replace the perks because incentives are more meaningful. When you give an incentive for somebody, you're making them want to make a contribution rather than um, a perk, which is just like, oh, here's a thank you gift for helping me out, but it may or may not be engaging enough to make me want to contribute. But if you give a cool incentive and you incentivize us with it, 
to contribute. It's something we actually want to do, and it becomes about the contributors more than about the campaigners. And then the big one was the promotion. Um, a lot of people started taking the idea of promotion, and they were turning it into what I playfully call spam ocean, which is constantly sending the same tweet out about your campaign, check out my project, make it happen for this project. And five years ago that was okay because five years ago there were a substantially less number of campaigns out there. Now it's saturated. You need to stand out. The only way to stand out is if you're interacting one-on-one -on -one and one-by-one -one on social media and outside of social media. The more you interact, the more possibility you have to convert someone into from a potential backer into a full-fledged backer. So that's kind of why I, I, I created those three new ones, and I introduced them in this TED Talk that I did um, a while back uh, for, for TEDx Jersey City where I live. Um, and I just kind of like I threw them in at the very end because I was like, this is a fun presentation, but if I don't give my audience something they can actually use and set up a campaign and crowdfund properly, I shouldn't be doing a TED Talk because there's no point just to give, like, here's a bunch of cool examples. So I threw those in. I came up with them pretty quickly, and then I threw them in at the last minute for the TED Talk, and it was like, for me, it's the best part of, uh, of that. Right. Well, let's let me ask you. You say stand uh when you want to get a standout interaction, uh you go you do it one by one. So in other words, are you saying that if you got a donation from Mary Smith that you go on your Facebook and thank Mary for everybody to see that Mary gave you something? Absolutely. You and yeah, ah. sorry, yeah, absolutely. I I think and you know what, the thing about interactions is it starts before that. That's, for me, that would be a common sense thing to do, but I've learned, uh, you know, through my, through my years, common sense is a dwindling commodity these days. Um, not everybody's got it, so it's really just sense. Um, and it's, I would actually call it customizable sense, because there's no such thing as common sense these days. So I've now been telling people that is, that is what you definitely need to do. If somebody contributes, you thank them on Twitter, on Facebook, so their friends can see it, because if their friends see it and their friends are following them, those friends of theirs may become backers of your project as well. So that becomes now a marketing tool. And, and really, you're just simply saying a quick thank you so much for contributing to my campaign. Here's a link, by the way, just in case. You know, and then you never know what will happen. But the interactions should be starting months before the actual campaign idea crosses your mind. So I would say, you know, and I always tell people, like, go as a homework assignment, before you crowdfund, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, and have fun. They look at me like I'm crazy because when, they, when, when we're talking in person, of course. Um, and I, I say that because a lot of people just look at social media as this business tool, this, this tool for marketing and all this stuff, and it is but you've got to put in the work of being a person before you start petitioning people to do anything for you. You need to take an active interest in who they are, what they're doing. Talk to them on a regular basis, even if it's a simple good morning. That all works because then what happens is if you do that for five, six months, by the time you launch a campaign, they're going to be the first people to give you money because you've, they have a now an, an investment in you as the person and with crowdfunding, it's still a, a diehard truth. 
people don't necessarily give to your film. They give to the people behind your film. They give to you. So that's why interactions to me, so, so important for people to really understand, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, be there because you want to be, not because one day you're going to crowdfund and you want to, you know, you want to get people to contribute. You know, they're probably not at that point. Absolutely. Well, can you, uh, let's get back before they start crowdfunding. I often tell filmmakers that it's just like pre-production. A crowdfunding campaign is successful when you do the pre-production, and that starts Mm -hmm. when you have to build your crowd. So how do you recommend that they start building their crowd? Oh, great stuff. Um, Yeah, no, the first thing, again, and and it is similar, it's like just, you know, since social media is such a big element of getting your word out there, getting your work out into the world, you want to you wanna take it as serious as possible. So I'll, I'll break it up into a couple of categories. One, social media. Be as social as possible. Um, my colleague Mark uh, Hofstadter, he's the head of film here at Indiegogo, um, he said something on a podcast uh, at one point that stuck with me, um, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't fully remember it, but he said something like, the, the, the age of the shy filmmaker are dead. They're gone. <laughs> so well said. Yeah. If I, uh, Mark will appreciate that. Yes. Um, he, you know, and, and that's just a, that's a truth because, you know, at today's world, you have to market yourself because nobody's going to do it for you. So, again, the auteur filmmaker that wants to make the art house stuff, awesome. Do it. It's great. But if you want people to see it, you need to sell out a little bit. Let's just be real. You need to sell out. You need to get on Facebook and Twitter, and you need to do – even Guy Madden would, would know to do this, you know, and he's like auteur of the auteur. So it's like, yes, you, you know, you have to be a social butterfly to a certain extent, and you have to give value to people. So, again, if you're a filmmaker, don't just be a filmmaker being a filmmaker for yourself. Be a filmmaker that reads articles about filmmaking and shares it with the crowd, with the people following you. Share constantly. And don't just share, but add a little comment so that we know that you didn't just click retweet and you just read the headline. Say something about it. Say something profound. Tell us what we should look for in the article. Tell us what you liked in the article so that that's more of an incentive for us to read the article and then say about you, oh, that guy Trigonus, he knows his stuff. You should follow him. He posts a lot of valuable content. That's the kind of filmmaker you want to become in the social media world. The more value you give early, the more funds you will receive later because people always pay it forward, especially when the content's free. The The second little bracket is you also want to be out in the real world. You want to go to the events. You want to really connect with people in reality or IRL, as they say in Twitter. Um, and you want to really just talk to every filmmaker you can, talk about their project, get to know them. Don't worry about you until they ask you. And if they don't ask you, that's fine. Give them, you know, just that's cool. Out of a few people who, will ask, who won't ask about your projects and you're asking about theirs, there will be five that do ask about you because you're taking that interest in them and their films, and it reciprocates in time. So those are the two big things that I would recommend as part of the pre-launch, as I call it, the pre-launch strategy. There's a lot of other things, obviously, that go into it, um, like starting to build the campaign, coming up with the strategy. 
But the idea that, um, you know, it's like a field of dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. That doesn't happen anymore in crowdfunding. It used to. Five years ago, it did. That's how how I did it. I, again, in a lot of ways, Carol, I stumbled into this crowdfunding world, and I stumbled into it because I thought it was complete BS. I thought, there is no way somebody's going to give me money to make my film. I don't know anybody. And I launched my campaign, and I just, I, I read the meager amounts of, uh, of research there was on the subject. I put together my own campaign. I, re, I tore it apart. I added new stuff to it, and I finally launched it, and it resonated with people. But when I, when I look back and I try to think, what was it that made people strangers? Because in my particular case, 70% of the funds that I received came from people that I did not know, mostly from Twitter. That's unusual. That's that's outstanding. It's it's totally. And even to this day, Carol, it's still very outstanding. But I look back and I realize something. Again, I I raised 5,000 or 6,300 bucks five years ago. That's the equivalent of about 25K nowadays. Um, And I, I raised that from people that I, quote, didn't know. But you know what? I did know them because I had spent nine months before that just talking with them on a regular basis on this cool new platform called Twitter. And that's how it worked, because I didn't have an ulterior motive. A lot of times now, people, like, the minute they get on Twitter, they have that idea that one day they're going to use their following for something. I didn't have that. I just wanted to talk about Stanley Kubrick. I wanted to talk about Alejandro Jodorowsky. I want to talk about film things with people that weren't my direct friends in real life because I wanted different opinions. Wow, and it really worked. And, and it did. But, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't you didn't you write something for everyone who uh, uh who gave you a donation? You wrote a little <laughs> poem or you wrote something, right? Uh, absolutely. I I and uh, yeah, put in quite a bit of time. So one of the one of the reasons my campaign got on the radar of uh, the co-founders of Indiegogo, Slava Rubin and Danae Ringelman, was because of the perks and because of my video. I had done things that were not normally done with perks. So my $10 perk, I literally wrote you a poem. And the poem uh, was in the form of your name. Now, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, you know, number one, I'm a poet. That's what I've got my degrees in, uh, two of them in poetry. Two, my movie was about words, a former spelling bee champion haunted by the word that took him down. And three... I love it. What was it? Oh, you've got to tell us, John. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, the word was the title of the film called Cerise, which is a pretty difficult word to spell, I have to say. Um, and, uh, and then, in, but in my mind, I was like, okay, well, that makes it all about me, how do I connect it to my, my audience and every single backer? Oh, easy. I use the most important word they'll ever have in their entire life to work the poem around, and that was their names. So it yes. worked wonders because I automatically made a deeper connection with people, which is something that I'm very passionate about. And the cool thing was I would have my fiancé, uh, girlfriend at the time, uh, but my fiancé now, Marinel. I would have her go to Photoshop, because I don't know any of that stuff, and format the poems very quickly. It was a quick turnaround, because if, if I wrote the poem 
you probably, if you contributed and you got the poem, you probably got it within about a week and a half from when you made the contribution. Because I would have her format it on, in Photoshop and post it on their Facebook walls. So what would happen is, again, marketing. Their friends, they would see it, they would like it, they would comment on it, and then their friends would see it because they had made it their profile picture. And their friends were like, well, I want a poem in my name too. And that's where all these other strangers at the time would come to the Cerise campaign and make an easy contribution of either $10 or more, because if you contributed $500, I still wrote you a poem. Oh, how wonderful. No, everybody was talking about that. It was like the hit. You really yep. hit a nerve with that. Went over very well. So, but yeah. and that that it, but see that that's the key here is personal. And this is when I tell people they say, well, I want to give T-shirts and hats, and I, I don't think so. I think people want something yeah. personal. Yeah, they do. They they definitely like. You know, I, I'm I'm not a fan of T-shirts at all. I'm not a fan of merchandise because my my mentality is like. Uh, you know, you're filmmakers, you're not T-shirt manufacturers. And there's so many cool T-shirts in the world. Why do you want to throw some more in there? <laughs> you know, and a lot of times people have to charge about $65 in order for per T-shirt um, in order to make funds to pay for the T-shirt and then use some of the money for the thing. So nobody pays $65 for a T-shirt except uh, fans of YouTube stars. So they're the only people that can get away with the T-shirt and sell out like crazy. So my thing is always trying to make things personal. However, you can personalize a T-shirt. You can sign the T-shirt or you can do customized images or you can, you know, screen print the T-shirts with each funder's favorite colors. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it starts adding up in that way. But there's ways to personalize it, but at the end of the day, it, it costs money. So I think the, the best thing is personalized perks, that you don't have to have an overhead for. Um, the, the issue comes down to, and I'm happy I get to say this on, on the air here, and I hope there's a lot of filmmakers listening to this, is you're not going to get paid for the work that you're going to put in doing those personalized items. You're going to spend hours. I wrote uh, over 100 poems. I was afraid I'd have to write 50. <laughs> and I wrote over 100 of them. And it was hard work, even for a poet. I mean, to me, poetry is easy, but not when you have to kind of, when you have a structure to form, to follow and all that stuff. But it was, it was a lot of hours, and people always tell me, like, Trig, you, you could have charged like 50 bucks a poem. I look at them, and I'm like, no, I couldn't have, because 50, no poem in, in the universe is worth $50, a single poem. But a poem is not worth $10 either. People think I'm going to undervalue at $10, which means they're going to look to see what else they can get at the $20 level, at the $50 level, as long as they still get a poem. And that's exactly what happened. But, but people, they want the, you know, again, it, it, a, lot of, a lot of folks want that immediate gratification of like, oh, I'm going to get my money and I'll charge $50 a poem or, you know, $100 for, for a short, you know, a three-page story, but you're only going to sell maybe five of those, and that's great. It's $500. You didn't have to do a lot of work, but, man, if you would have set that at 10 bucks, 25 bucks at the most, you could have sold 100 of them, 200 of them, and made a lot more money at that point, you know, but it's a lot more work. So, again, crowdfunding is hard work. I say it in my book about eight times, I think I counted. <laughs> 
I'm glad you said it because people are shocked at how much work goes into it. But they are building their audience while they're making their film. And yep. in today's world, you have to take your audience with you to distribution, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because they're not going to do it for you unless... You know, unless you're you're you know a big time director, they're they're not going to invest marketing dollars in you. So we have to invest our own marketing time. Doesn't require dollars, depending on how big you want to get and how large you want to grow an audience. But again, marketing is is the thing. There's so much good content out there, Carol. I mean, I, I look at I look on Indiegogo, I look on all the other platforms. I see so many films that I'm like, damn, I want to see that. Wow, that looks awesome. That's great. Making content, making good content, that's not the hard part anymore. The hard part is getting that content out into the world because it's up to us now. Yeah, we can still find a distributor, and there's so many more open, available platforms. I mean, you know, even Indiegogo has a partnership directly with Vimeo, you know, for distribution. We connect the filmmakers. Like, we're on that cutting edge of, of trying to get these films out there because we know how hard it is, but at the same time, we still cling to this dream of like, well, let me make the good film, and then I'll get it into festivals, and somebody's going to pick it up. And I've been through the festival circuit speaking about crowdfunding and other things and storytelling. You know, I, I kind of see the truth of it all, and, and it's like, no, crowdfunding is the best thing in the world right now because it's going to teach us to take our audience serious and then take them with us because even a distributor you get a distributor they have the emails they're never going to give you those emails that's their problem so when you leave the distributor and you want to do project number two and you cannot find an audience for project number two you're screwed with crowdfunding you all those emails that is your audience you earned them that's the beauty of it you earned them so i think crowdfunding is a gateway into a vast, awesome possibility for all these kind of filmmakers out there who have done amazing films, but that have kind kind of fallen, you know, way below the radar than they deserve to. Yes, well said. Well, let's get down to the money aspect, and and I want you to talk about how filmmakers should decide on an amount to ask for. I tell them it has nothing to do with your budget. <laughs> It's, oh. Uh, oh, it's a totally different way that you come up to the money. And let's hear what you have to say. You know, Carol, I, I'm going to say this. Uh, I'm going to have to adopt what you just said, because I never thought to say it that, like, straight up. It's not about your budget, <laughs> um, you know, for the film, because that's so true. It's it's not about the budget. Um, I, this is This is something that I... I, I think I spend more time talking to filmmakers on the phone um, and working them through. We go, I typically, with each campaign I work with, I typically go five rounds about goals alone. Um, you know, we see all the big campaigns out there. We see the super troopers of the world, the con men of the world, raising in the millions, and, and we get excited. So we're like, oh, if they can raise a million, I can raise 100K. It's very difficult to raise 100K. Um, I know what goes into it. So I tell filmmakers, especially like if it's their first time, I try to like instruct them to, to raise what they can based on their network. 
because uh, I, I, this isn't my phrase. I heard it somewhere, and I can't remember who I heard it from, but your network is your net worth in this world. So if you have 200 Twitter followers, you've tweeted 50 times, you want to raise $50,000, chances are it's not going to happen because you're just, you don't have what we call the social capital to do it. Because you could, pit, you could promote to those 200 followers, you're going to get two conversions, maybe. So where are you going to find $50,000? Probably not. The idea is set a goal that you know you can hit based on how much you can get from, your, from the, what I call the core contributors or the host committee. And that, that is basically your family and your friends. Typically what we see, family and friends of a filmmaker, and I throw diehard supporters if we're lucky enough to have those people, um, those three groups, family, friends, diehard supporters, they should be able to get you to the first 30% or so within the first three days of your campaign. Yes. Now, if you can get that, then chances are you're going to have a very successful campaign because you've done the hardest thing, build momentum. Because the thing that strangers or random people, when they look at campaigns, the thing they want to see is that the campaign is moving, um, that there's momentum, that it's going to get funded, that people, other people are behind it already. Um, my colleague Kristen, uh, she, Kristen Condit, she's, she's uh, awesome. Uh, she's the director of film here at Indiegogo. She, uh, she introduced me to the, uh, or reintroduced me. I kind of knew about it, but I used it to describe other things, not crowdfunding. But she, uh, she has a metaphor for the empty restaurant, uh, which is basically nobody goes into an empty restaurant. That's we, have right. to, we have to fill that place up with people, and we've got to put them by the windows. Because if they're by the windows, it doesn't matter if the rest of the place is empty. We'll fill those seats up. But we need to see that when we walk past it on opening night, that there are people sitting at those windows. And it's the same thing with crowdfunding. On the opening days, we need to see that there are other people just like us who have contributed to this campaign. Little does anybody know that on grand opening night of a restaurant, all the people that are sitting there are probably friends and family of the restaurant owner. But we don't say that. <laughs> yes. You know, we don't that's say true. that. We're not going to judge them like, oh, you got your family in there, no biggie. You know, no, we're going to go in because there's people there. And that's that. So that's what I kind of tell people is the 30% rule is a very real thing. It's a good gauge at what you can, what you can manage. Then the rest of it, the 70% extra that you're going to need, that's called hard work. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. called the interaction. That's called going into even you know old school stuff on online, like going into chat rooms. If you're making a movie about you know it's a mumblecore movie, and you 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 got to be in the chat rooms with all the mumblecore heads talking not about your film, talking about mumblecore, talking about things, and then ultimately you can bring your film up, and there's your audience right there. There's your audience, and they'll be more likely to, con- to convert into actual backers simply because they like you, they like your story, they like the genre, and you're taking the time to interact with them. Yes, so, and it takes work. time. You're absolutely right to get trust, 
to create mm-hmm. trust. And so this is what I recommend they do is months before they target what uh, organizations they need to join based on the content in the film. And um, one way to do that is to quiz your current audience that is not family or friends, but people who really love your film and the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Find out what do they belong to? Where are they hanging out online? And go there, join that, and start chatting. But don't yep. immediately come flying in there with, I'm a filmmaker making a film, and come fund me. Because Absolutely. that'll drive them away. Well, yep. I I really love your crowdfunding book, and so I wanted to go to some parts of it. And let's start. I like this part four under community engagement because you you take people by the hand and just walk them peacefully through all of this stuff. So, and I can see why this would become a lexicon that you don't want to live without because when you get stuck in any area, you can go there for advice in the book. It's pretty well laid out. Oh, oh, yeah, I'd really like it. But it's the golden rule is don't solicit, elicit. So let's talk about that a minute. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, it's still, um, you know, even writing the second edition, I, I, I saw that. I remember reading that chapter because, you know, sometimes I forget, like, some of the stuff that I wrote. Um, not, like, forgot the advice, but I forget the way I worded it. So when I, yes. when I re- reread it, I was like, oh, don't solicit, elicit. Right. Oh, duh. Um, so it, it basically means um, don't ask, evoke. Don't ask for a contribution. Evoke a reaction in someone to give you the contribution. That's hard. The asking is easy, but as I write in the book, when you ask somebody for something, they have the power over you to say no, and then you're kind of screwed. But if you evoke a reaction, if you talk to them, take the time, talk with them about your film, what it's about, and more importantly, why it's important, then you're giving them a reaction. You're going to see the head nod if you're doing it in person, or you're going to see you know, that they keep talking to you online in that online sense. And then ultimately what you're doing is you're creating an investment in this person to keep listening to you. And then ultimately if you sell them on that film idea, the story you know, the story's going to sell itself at that point, they're going to make that contribution. Um, so it's really about keeping the power in your, in your hands. It's like you know, it's, a, it's a little power struggle and, and working a little bit harder on, I guess, for, you know, if we, were pitch, if we were pitching it to an investor, we would call it a pitch. You know, it's like we're pitching them, and, you know, even in a, in a hardcore pitch, there's still that, like, they have the power. But since this isn't a pitch, it's an invitation, you know, we need to convince people to jump on board and not straight out ask them right up. Because, again, as you said before, when you ask somebody in those chat rooms, to, to, you know, hey, I'm the filmmaker, contribute, their, their chances are they're not going to. Again, with my, with my campaign, again, nine months were spent just hanging out, talking on Twitter and Facebook to people and filmmakers and getting to know people. And then I was rewarded for all of that time that I spent because I was doing it genuinely. And that's the other key thing about elicitation is you want to genuinely talk to people and figure out as you're talking to them how to make your film a part of their world, how to get oh, them that's to it. more. That's it. So they can't live without it. They want to know more. Exactly. And, 
remember uh, in Contagious, Jonah Berger's brilliant book, mm. when you finish that book, you'll come back to and say, word of mouth is still the very best yeah. marketing. So that person is going to tell their friends, oh, I just donated to a great film today. Really? Tell me about it. And there mm-hmm. you go. He's now pitching for you. So the time you put into one person can really re- be returned. It's like throw, yep. casting your bread on the waters, it really comes back. Well, yep. okay, next is Chapter 23, um, I've Got No Money, But I Can Give. And there's a lot more to this project of fundraising than money. So tell us about that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, it's just kind of like when I when I was crowdfunding Cerise, uh, I I did a couple of silly things because again, it was the, the first time, didn't know what I was doing necessarily. And uh, one of the things I did that really hit me, and I wrote about it in the book, is I I basically pitched. Uh, I basically pitched to a uh, a band, an indie band uh, called Ice Wagon Flu, and I asked them for money. And that was a silly thing thinking about it re- very quickly after because their response was very simple. You know, Trig, we, we don't have any money. We're struggling to make our our albums. Like, you know, we need the money. Um, but they then said, well, we can we can offer you something else. Can You know, would you like if we wrote a song for the film? And I was oh. like, oh, yeah, that would be kind of cool. So I, I got in touch with them, and I said, yeah, let's, let's do that. That's amazing. If you guys don't mind, sent them the script. They, they, wrote, they wrote a version of it. They, they really did a great song, which is still to this day my ringtone on my phone um, because I just I still get a kick out of hearing it five years later. Um, but that was one of the most meaningful things, and that was, that was one of the two moments when I learned that crowdfunding was not about the money. Uh, was when these guys were just like, hey, man, we, we ain't got no money. Money's easy, but we'll give you this. You know, I'm paraphrasing from the guys. Um, and we'll give you this song, and the song is one of my favorite things uh, that anybody has ever kind of done for any one of my film projects. And they and I had used their music, uh, their recorded music, in a couple of my other films as well, but this was the first kind of song that I had commissioned almost uh, for that, and I had not expected something like that at all. Um, then there was another. Uh, there was another example, you know. And I talk a lot about like the Cerise campaign because that really was the the, the beginning campaign that that started off a lot of these a lot of filmmakers thinking about cool perks and interesting things to do with the audience and getting them engaged. Um, a, a guy from Serbia named Nino, uh, he had reached out to me quite suddenly and asked me if I had a soundtrack for the movie, and I was like, no, I, I don't. I'm, I'm in the middle of crowdfunding. I don't even know if I could afford a soundtrack. And he's like, well, I'd like to do the soundtrack for you for free because I'm trying to build my resume as a, as a, uh, a composer for, for movies. And I was just like, oh, wow. Well, I haven't thought about it, so, yeah, let's, let's do it and work together. It was awesome, one of the best experiences I ever had working with anybody and we came up with a really awesome score. And again, had I not been crowdfunding, he never would have found the campaign on Indiegogo, and he never would have, uh, you know, he didn't fund it, which is great, because he gave something much more meaningful than money at that point that I was going to need anyway. I just hadn't thought that far ahead yet. Yes, that's brilliant. And so, you know, uh, look, today, oh, sorry, you know, just to finish that up, today I was kind of, I mean, even to this day, I, I just, I have to remind filmmakers 
that, you know, don't just look at it as this is a moneymaker. There's so many other things. You could probably possibly get a, a great camera from, like, Canon, you know, if you play your cards right and you have a successful enough campaign and you pitch it to them. You can probably get other people to do things um, and, and really get them, get them really excited about giving something other than money that you can really maximize on as a filmmaker. That's very important, absolutely. Now tell us how we can find you and how we find the book. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm on Twitter uh, mostly. That's where I spend a lot of my time giving away advice. So, if, uh, you know, you filmmakers out there need some quick free advice, feel free to just follow me. Uh, and, you know, uh, check it out. It's just my last name, Trigonis on Twitter, and uh, that's the one way to find me, and then the book, um, so again, you can go to Amazon, you can go to Michael Weesey uh, Productions website, uh, mwp.com, you can get it there, I believe there's a 25% off sale happening right now on select books, and I believe crowdfunding for filmmakers is one of them, so I would probably then recommend going to mwp.com instead of Amazon for right now. But either one of those places, it's also available. Um, I'm a print guy myself, but uh, but I know it's available on Nook and on um, Amazon Kindle if you want to have digital copies of it, uh, and they're a little less expensive as well. So uh, feel free to head over there. I am doing the uh, second edition, which has, uh, you know, the first edition uh, is good because it's, you know, if you bought it today, it's still... The, it's probably the only book on crowdfunding right now, uh, definitely the only book on crowdfunding for filmmakers, but the only crowdfunding book that is not out of date, out of print, or, no, sorry, not print, out of date in terms of, like, the information is not not useful today. Um, the second edition is really just enhancing uh, some of the new things that I've learned over the years working at Indiegogo. Um, that I really wanted to put in there. But if, you're, if it's your first-time campaign, pick up the book today, and it's going to be just as relevant to two years from now as it will be you know, today, but the second edition just kind of enhances on some other new, new advancements to the crowdfunding world. Yes, absolutely. It's amazing what you've got in here because after working with Indiegogo for three years, mm. uh, I was elated uh, how you've outlisted uh, uh, everything that's important. And you've got such new twists on things. You make it sound like fun and you actually make <laughs> it sound really easy, you know, which is great. Well, just a I'm few glad. more chapters in the book before we let Please. you go. The importance of keeping your contributors updated. Ah, yes. Yeah, very, very important stuff. I, I tell folks all the time, um, the the backer is, once. Well, again, I said it before, once somebody contributes $5 or $5,000, they're a part of your team. So we want to treat them with with the respect that they deserve, and we want to constantly, constantly keep them updated with anything related to the campaign, the film, all that stuff. So on Indiegogo, as you know, Carol, we have the update tab, and you know you wanna you wanna update your backers through there at least once to twice a week, as long as there's something to update. Um, if there's any announcements that get made, do not make the announcement on Twitter and Facebook. On, until you make the announcement to your backers first, because they should get first dibs on anything. 
that is related to that film that they helped make happen. So it's just, and, and again, that's one of those things where I think it's like a common sense thing, but really common sense is customizable to, to individuals. So it's not common sense anymore, but it, it's something that definitely has to be told. Your backers are the most important people in the world. So treat okay. them like it. Oh, yes. A friend of mine has uh, had done a crowdfunding campaign, and she was very uh, consistent with updating the, the people on the list. Every two months she would say, thank you for the money you gave me on my campaign. I want to update you and tell you where I am, what I'm doing. And uh, so we were chatting about how she, she said, you know, I'm behind. I didn't do as much as I promised my uh, group that I would achieve. So I said, well, why don't you just put, tell them what Arson Wells said and put 95% of my time is raising money and 5% is making the film. So I'm apologizing for being a bit behind. And would you believe that she got a phone call from one of these people that she really didn't know, and he said, how much do you need? And he wrote her a check for the balance. Oh, wow. This is the kind of thing that goes on, because all you know, you just have a bunch of emails. You don't know how wealthy these people are, uh, because if you have crowdfunded properly and you've brought in a lot of new names and new people, then you you could be sitting on the funding right there when you get through, and it's it's up to you to stay in touch and keep thanking them and keeping them updated. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The uh you know, it's pretty it's pretty spectacular. Like I've I've been fortunate. Uh actually a quick story, I uh during the Sharif campaign I I got a lot of contributions uh of like five hundred dollars from people that I honestly did not know who they were. And one guy, um, he contributed and you know, I was like, All right, this is a substantial amount of money, I don't know this guy. Let me let me check into him. I'm looking all over the place on Facebook, on Twitter. The guy does not exist. I'm getting really scared, you know, uh, that the money's not going to be there. Ultimately, he did exist, and he just he's a guy. He's he's just a wonderful person, um, and he just loved the idea. He loved the film. He wanted to support, and that was awesome. That was five years ago. I recently ran a campaign for my first uh, my next project, which is a graphic novel. And I did not. I purposely didn't reach out to people that I that I that had supported Cerise. I said, you know what? If they if they figure it out, if they find my campaign organically, awesome. Well, this guy found the campaign and he contributed like another substantial chunk. Um, <laughs> just so it's like I'm, you know, again, I feel very fortunate because I have like a super fan um, who's like, you know, more, you know, truthfully, like feels like more of an angel investor in that sense. But he's the kind of guy that just he wants to see good projects thrive, and you know he has a good he has a he loves Cerise, and he has a good good sense of the the kind of storytelling that I do, and it doesn't even matter if it's a film, a comic book, or whatever. It's just he's a supporter, and there are those people out there um, that you may find, and when you find them, you know you want to keep them very close. And I've definitely kept in contact with him over these five years, so you know it was like it was just a nice a nice humbling surprise. When he, uh, you know, when he had that, when he put those contributions in. Yes, what a gift! So you never know. Yep, I you, think that's you, exactly what it is—a gift. It's a gift. 
And so are you, John. Thank you so much for writing the book and for being there to help all these filmmakers because your day is full of advice and support and nurturing filmmakers. And so thank you for all you do. No, no, I love it. Uh, if I didn't love it, I would I would not be doing it. That's just straight up. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we want to talk to you back in, uh, again next year and find out what's going on with you and all the new things you've learned. Yeah, I'll be I'll be definitely looking forward to that anytime. Okay, thank you, Claire, and thank you, John. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, thank you again. Okay. You're very welcome. Be well, Bye. everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>